Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Minnesota as an active last week, just where is he at in his career, in your opinion? Where does, what does he need to do to get back? Uh, first thing, he's got to play special teams. I mean, that's, if you're a backup player, you play special teams. Oh, daggers. I mean, it's, yeah, like, it's a third-round pick. Go play some, go, go play punt coverage. He is so deep in the doghouse they can't even find him. <laughs> you know what though, gentlemen? Happy reckless speculation Thursday. What if I told reckless you speculation? Now some of it might be Harrison Hand injury related. He popped up on the injury report on Wednesday. But what if I told you guys that if I had to bet, I would not bet significant money, but if I had to bet. Cam Dantzler active on Sunday. Oh, look at look at Doogie. That's Hey-o. the voice of Darren Doogie Wolfson from Five Eyewitness News. Reckless speculation Thursday and inside information about your favorite sports teams just like that. Reckless speculation. Yeah. But can you play special teams on Sunday? That's the key question to Zim, because if you can't, you're useless to him. Is he hinting that, that Cam Dantzler is refusing to play special teams? No, he's saying he's not good enough to do it yet. He's they, not refusing to play. I was going to yeah. say, that seems a little that, aggressive. That he's not, but, but, but the problem is there, there's times when Chris Boyd has to play cornerback where it feels like he's re- refusing to cover guys. And so I think I might give Cam Dantzler a chance. To play special teams because Chris Boyd, as much as Zimmer loves him, and he does, uh, he gets singled out every single time he's out there. So, well, let's, all right. So week one was a mess, and I think everyone's looking at the schedule now, and they saw the performance the Cardinals put up, and it's like any, any optimism that people had going into week one is now very, very tempered here. Um, so Doogie, let's. I'm just going to ask a broad question to start out with. What are you sensing and hearing from inside the Vikings practice facility after that Week One loss? Well, certainly the pressure's on. The pressure's always been on, but now it's ramped up that much more. They certainly internally are aware of all the Owen two notes going back many, many years. Now, one could argue some of those Owen two start notes. Do you? Awesome out the window because of the 17-game schedule. Do things change 17 games compared to the traditional 16 games? But everybody internally is aware of how hard it is, even though they haven't played a home game yet. And they certainly feel confident that last year was a mirage, no fans, the losing record last year at home, that they feel like this year they will have a winning record at home. I mean, I think internally they feel like they should win at least six, if not seven of the eight home games. 
but they are well aware, Phil, of of the 0-2 notes, that if you start 0-2, go back a couple decades, if you start 0-2, there is a very, 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 very good chance you do not make the playoffs. So, yeah, I think it's a bit aggressive, a bit too early to suggest Sunday is a must-win, but I'm just telling you, they they are aware of, of what history suggests. So, Dukes, I think that there would be some things – that happened in week one that might be called a blip and they can be, and you know, fans are saying, well, just wait for week two and see if that improves. I think we can all agree. One thing that's not a blip is left tackle. Rashad Hill is a career backup and that's what he is, which is fine. Uh, He's going to be asked to, I'm sure with some help face Chandler Jones on Sunday, but the point being is Christian Derrissaw was drafted uh, 23rd overall by this team to play that position. What are we hearing and, and just recklessly speculating on Derrissaw's return? Because we've said possibly post-bye week, and now I've heard it might be before that. And if he can play, you probably need to get him in there. Well, yeah. I mean, Jed, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Like, when is the logical time? We know that Christian Derrissaw is going to get in there at some point. But would you wait all the way until the bye, then coming out of the bye? Now things changed with the Demarcus Lawrence news on Wednesday that he in all likelihood will not play against the Vikings in that late October game. But I thought like, would you make the transition coming out of the bye when your left tackle has to face a really good pass rusher, but yeah, Rashad Hill. Yeah, that was, that was worse than I expected on Sunday. And yeah, I mean, he is going to have all sorts of help against Chandler Jones But, yeah, I mean, could we see him as soon as week three, week four? I think the sticky wicket is, like, he didn't play in the preseason. Like, how much can you replicate in practice to simulate, you know, in-game snaps for him, what he really will be facing? Let's say he's in there week three against Seattle at U.S. Bank Stadium. Like, how much can you really simulate for him to get him in the frame of mind that, okay, it's go time. Like, you are – the left tackle. I'll add another note. They had a healthy opinion pre-draft on Rashawn Slater. Like, I don't know if you saw the video. And again, mm-hmm. I get it. One week. I understand that. But if you watch that Chargers-Washington football team, you know, all 22, whatever it is, any game video from, from that particular tilt, Rashawn Slater looks really, really good. Mm. And certainly the Vikings had interest in moving up for Justin Fields. But they also explored the possibility of moving up for Slater. How much different would this conversation be if they had ended up with Rashawn Slater? Yeah, it's tough because like we haven't we haven't seen Darisau. It's it, we haven't even seen him practice in full team and training camp. So it's it's easy to sit here right now and be like, oh well, they they messed up the pick or whatever. We won't know until he plays. They didn't um, mess up the pick, Phil. We can't say that, right? We need to see him out there. First, I mean, they certainly yes. didn't think coming off the first groin surgery in January that we would be sitting here now talking about him coming off a second surgery in the same calendar year. I mean, I don't think they foresaw him needing yet another procedure done in the month of August. So that's unfortunate. But we can't we can't sit here and say a horrible pick, anything like that. Like, I think everything they thought pre-draft when they walked out of TCO Performance Center that late Thursday night, after the first round of the draft, they felt like, hey, we've got our left tackle for multiple years. I still feel like they feel that way. We just need to see him out there. So here's another question for you, Dugues, and, and Judd, chime in here too. Um, I, 
the Vikings spent all off season and basically every cent that they had in their pocket for free agency on fixing a defense that was terrible last year. Um, and so with new guys coming in and with guys like Daniil Hunter and Michael Pierce who were out last season coming back, this is a group that largely hasn't played together. And so I'm not that surprised they gave up a bunch of rushing yards. Like I wasn't expecting them to come out and just be the Williams wall from 12 years ago or the 2017 defense. Whatever the peak looks like for this defense, we're probably going to have to wait until like mid-October to really have everything come together. I think A, is that a fair thought? And B, my worry is because they lost the first game that they might wind up being so stuck schedule-wise and record-wise by the time their defense peaks. Like they don't have time against the Cardinals and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson and Kevin Stefanski and the Browns. Like they don't have time to just sort of figure things out and then start 0-4. Um, what are your thoughts on the Vikings defense, and what are you hearing, Dukes? Exactly what you're laying out there, Phil. I think it's safe to say that expecting a ton week one with, you know, all these new pieces, you know, that might have been a bit aggressive. But, yeah, you look at the schedule, we don't have until mid to late October. At that point, what if they are two and five? Yeah. Two and six, three and five, whatever it might be. Like, I don't know how you dig out of that sort of hole to be one of the seven playoff teams in the NFC. And we talk about, you know, we, you know, fans, all that, about, you know, expectations for them to get the double-digit victories. Because I think you need to get to 10 to make the playoffs this year, most years. But I think certainly this year. I can just tell you this. Internally, the expectations are higher than any of us are are talking about really they really feel like they've assembled a roster that can make a significant run in January maybe they're delusional but I'm just telling you they really feel like they have a roster that can make a serious run in the postseason okay I'm I'm glad like I'm I mean Judd's been saying it all offseason no excuses this is the team that you've spent seven years and then four years of Kirk Cousins building this thing up this is what the product is and it's time to go A defensive coach got his way almost completely on retooling a defense that was bad. So, yeah, I I mean, I think that the I think that the Wolves expectation starting with people that own this team is incredibly high and it should be. And that's and that's why it's weird uh, that the offensive line like I really thought initially Wyatt Davis was drafted to play and, and that it would take an injury for him not to play. And he's not playing now. So there definitely are some decisions that that have been made that are odd. On Anthony Barr, I'm hearing game time decision again, and that might be important because uh, Nick Vigil, who played well in the opener, has now shown up on the injury report himself. Dugues, what are you hearing defensively about who might come back on Sunday and what's going on there? Well, I can tell you that going back, you know, seven to ten days, maybe more, that they really felt like for sure they would have Anthony Barr against Kyler Murray. That they felt like, okay, if we don't have Anthony – against Cincinnati, uh, we'll compensate. But we need him out there against Kyler Murray. We need him out there against Russell Wilson. Now, if he doesn't practice today after not practicing on Wednesday, that will be a telltale sign, right? Like, we need to see the injury report later today. I think if he's limited today, if he does anything today, okay, tomorrow, let's see how he wakes up, how sore is he. But I think if he does anything today, that we trend maybe more toward that 55% likelihood, like you're talking game time decision. So we can go with the, you know, literal 50-50, but I might trend it more toward 55, put it a little past 50. If he's able to do anything 
in practice today. Let me add one more talking point from what Phil brought up. Daniil Hunter hadn't played that many snaps in a really long time. I would just I would keep an eye on his situation. Andre Patterson admitted on Wednesday that he should have gotten Stephen Weatherly more snaps against the Bengals that they felt like they played Hunter a bit too much. So I just hmm. I would keep an eye on Hunter. I'm not suggesting like he's out for Sunday. I'm not to that point anything crazy like that at least right now. But I just don't know if he's in a position to be playing 60 to 65 snaps against Kyler Murray. Hmm. That's interesting. Um, I know we got some Wolves stuff we're going to get to here in a second. I have one more Vikings thing. And I don't know if you have any intel on it. or I, If you don't, that's okay. We'll just take your uh, educated speculation or thoughts. Mike Zimmer and Kirk Cousins apparently sat down to watch film together for the first time in four seasons like a week and a half ago. I knew that they didn't have an amazing relationship and that Mike Zimmer likes to outsource offense. That's still shocking to me. And we're going to play a clip from Chuck Pagano on Purple Daily today. So just to tease there. uh, Sorry, I didn't mean to scare you there, Declan. We'll do that on Purple Daily. (laughs) Um, But what are your thoughts on that, Doogie? Well, my thoughts are that Mike Zimmer for years has deferred big time to whether it was North Turner, you know, Gary Kubiak, that he really feels like with some of the offensive minds they've had in the building, or I guess, you know, right now, uh, virtually, you know, to some extent, although Gary, I don't think Gary is, is a huge sounding board for Clint, but certainly Gary and Clint have some conversations. Then you've got Dennison, you know, whatever his exact role is, but you know, Mike's felt like he's had, you know, some senior leadership in the building that he can defer oftentimes. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. It was at Kirk's suggestion, not Mike's suggestion. Yeah. If it Cousins was up to if it was up to Mike, we should do this, <laughs> dude. If it was up to Mike, they would never watch film together. That's amazing. Like good yeah. on Kirk, good on Kirk for finally saying, "Dude, let's can we sit down?" I and agree. Just... Why not? I mean, Mike is. I don't think there's much debate. Mike is is brilliant when it comes to to being a defensive mind. Why not get his perspective? Yeah, I was surprised to hear that over the last handful of years that this was the first time they had done this. One other thing. I had brought up last week I was going to monitor after week one, could the Vikings add a veteran safety like Will Parks, you know, without having to guarantee his contract. So would they look to bring him in this week? They have not inquired. So nothing hopping right now on the Vikings' Will Parks steam. And when I say steam, I mean, they had free agent interest this past March. They had free agent interest March of 2020. They put a yeah. waiver claim in on him last year. When his team, I forget which one, he's bounced around a good amount, but whatever team he was on middle of last season, let him go. The Vikings did put a waiver claim in then. So he's a safety the Vikings have have had a bunch of interest in, but he's sitting out there on the market right now. The Vikings have not made any sort of offer. Uh, Timberwolves steam, sir. What you got for us? Well, I mean, yesterday, Wednesday, they introduced five guys, you know, announcing the, the re-signing you know, formally after they passed, you know, physicals, did all that, flew into town. Uh, they introduced, you know, Leandro Balmaro, Torian Prince, Patrick Beverly, and then, you know, announced formally the the deals being done with Jordan McLaughlin, Jared Vanderbilt. So Jordan McLaughlin, three years, $6.48 million, $2 million in the first year. The third year is a team option. That is a Gerson Rosas staple. All right. So Gerson Rosas can say he won that negotiation by having the hammer in that third year. 
Same with Jared Vanderbilt. Not quite the same, but Jared Vanderbilt, third year, so it's three years, slightly below $14 million. I think there's pretty good value there for the former McDonald's All-American. But the third year is partially guaranteed. It is not a full guarantee. Now, if Jared Vanderbilt lives up to expectations, he'll make all that money in the third year. Bomaro excites some people. He's more an off guard. He is not a point guard. I don't anticipate seeing Bomaro on the ball a bunch. Beverly, you know, brought up what he tweeted a week or so ago. I brought this up with Chris Finch at the State Fair a couple weeks ago that he's been in the league now, what, eight, nine years. He's been to the postseason every single year, and he plans on keeping that streak alive. So Patrick Beverly pretty much declaring, hey, we are going to find a way to at least be the nine or the 10 seed, get into the into the play-in tournament. He was also asked about coming off the bench because Patrick Beverly is not going to be a starter. He brought up that he knows he's going to finish games, which I think is accurate. But then you think about the Wolves finishing lineup. I suppose you could go small ball. You could go Russell, Beverly, Beasley, Simmons, Edwards. Yeah. And Cat. Well, yeah. And Cat at the the five, Declan. Yeah. Well, I mean, Phil, they're trying, right? I mean, nothing's changed since late June. The Wolves have wanted Ben Simmons badly. They still want him badly. The Wolves would love to have Ben Simmons, but it's the same story. It's a fun talker, don't get me wrong, but it's a really, really hard transaction to complete. Hey, real quick, let's let's hear from Patrick Beverly because he did speak. Doogie alluded to some of the quotes. Dex has uh, a clip from Beverly here. I think the you know the offensive schemes that Coach Finch runs uh, compliments everybody on the team. Uh, as far as fitting in, I, I, I played with everybody. So fitting in won't be a problem. Um, I think my biggest focus is, uh, you know, seeing how locked in we can be each and every night consistently over, an, you know, a preseason season. And eventually, you know, we do the right things, we get to the playoffs. So, um, you know, basketball is basketball. That won't change. But everything else in the middle, I think if you can control that, put yourself in a position to win a lot of games. Doogie, my, my personal sense, and this is not, I'm not reporting anything. I, this is just my, my own thought. The fact that they finally went forward with the Patrick Beverly press conference and the Balmaro press conference, was that an indication that they're just moving into the season now? That they're that they're sort of not done with the Ben Simmons discussion, but that, all right, it's it's over for now. Like, we've been doing this for two, three months. We got to introduce these guys. We got to have Beverly throw out a first pitch at Target Field. Like, Beverly could have been a trade ship to spin in a Simmons trade, and they just introduced him to the public and had him throw out a first pitch. Well, I mean, he still so. could be in, you know, 60 days or or whatever it is, the exact number. you got to wait a little bit, but especially if you're going to aggregate him with, with some others, which you would need to do to match up salary or come close to matching up salary, they could still do that. I would tell you this much, Phil. They've had that mindset going back a few weeks. Like, I'm just telling you, on background, they would acknowledge, again, not on the record, but on background, that acquiring Ben Simmons has always been a long shot. It just has. As badly as they want him, they realize it's just it's it's not easy that there's enough interest, especially if the price comes down. Like nobody's going to pay what Daryl Morey wants right now, but when I think it's when, not if, when the price comes down, Morey's going to have a solid three, four, five offers to choose from. Whether that's Cleveland, you know, does Portland reengage? Does Golden State reengage? Does Sacramento reengage? I had Brian Windhorst of ESPN on on the Scoop podcast over the weekend. He said he is aware of a small market team that has made an offer that it's not out there. So it's not Sacramento. It's not Minnesota. You know, is it Utah? Is it Indiana? I don't know. 
Hmm. I really don't. But he said there's a team out there, and he said small market that has made an offer, and that team isn't out there. So there's at least one mystery team interested in Ben. I think it's safe to presumably, you know, make the leap that that there's at least one more. So we're talking at least two teams that really aren't out there publicly that have interest in Ben. So Daryl Morey is going to have multiple offers in which to choose from. That's what makes it really difficult for Rosas to to end up with Ben Simmons. So, Dukes, what's the earliest that we think if a deal is made by the Sixers, it gets made? October, November? Like, what's the, well, I the mean, prevailing theory yeah. about when when they basically come to the conclusion, one, he has to be traded, and two, we're not going to get what we thought we'd get back in June? Well, I mean, it was a few weeks ago that, you know, they met in L.A., you know, Rich Paul, Ben Simmons, uh, Daryl Morey, Doc Rivers, you know, they they, you know, sat down and and chatted and and it's apparent that it was made pretty clear that Ben doesn't have interest in a helping Philadelphia in any capacity, but, you know, Wendy suggested others have that, you know, Ben's not going to report, you know, I don't think he's going to create a sideshow quite like Jimmy Butler and like, that's what's being said right now. But really when it comes down to it, will Ben truly not report, but that's the buzz right now that Ben won't even show up for training camp. But Daryl Morey knows that. So, like, the pressure's on. Joel Embiid, you know, is an injury waiting to happen, right? Like, the window is now with Doc Rivers making a ton of money. You look at the rest of that Philadelphia roster, the time is now. They have some good young pieces. I really like Tyrese Maxey, but, like, the time is now for Philly to make a significant run. So, they need to get some immediate help, not not future draft pick compensation help. They need to get some guys that can help them immediately. So at what point does Daryl say, okay, this is a train wreck of a situation. Mm-hmm. Fine, so be it. Malik Beasley can help us right now. Maybe I'm not the biggest Malik Beasley fan, but he can help us right now. Sure, Jaden McDaniels you know, can guard multiple positions. There's enough there to like. Or that's where the third team comes in. Is there a third team that really likes Jaden McDaniels that can send some other piece Philadelphia's way? But like I told you, Judd, and, and I was wrong, but I thought a trade would have happened by, by draft night because it had gotten so toxic and all the stories are out there. So I just didn't think as, you know, we're sitting here on September 16th, we would still be talking about Ben Simmons as a Philadelphia 76er because I just knew, you know, all, all you know, a lot of the issues, at least, you know, behind the scenes. So I just thought we would get to that point. I still think it's when, not if. He is going to get traded. Uh, but I can't tell you, Judd, it's going to be – you know, September 30th, you know, on the eve of Philadelphia reporting for training camp, or it'll be October 8th, you know, sometime before they open up the season, October 19th, October 20th. I can't give you, unfortunately, a definitive date, but I'm just telling you, a Ben Simmons trade is going to happen. Reckless speculation. Well, Dukes, we know you got to get going here, so if you have any rapid-fire things you want to throw at us, otherwise we can say goodbye and we'll talk to you next week. Yeah, well, I had fun last week over at Braemar Arena, caught up with Eric Stahl. It actually surprises me that he's not on a team right now. The Twin Cities is home base for the former Wild Center, so he is awaiting the right opportunity. He does feel like, because teams have reached out to his representation, that that he is going to get a, a decent offer at some point. He's willing to play the waiting game. He's staying in really good shape. I also caught up for a while with Zach Parisi. He leaves today to head out to New York. The family is staying here, so that will be difficult. One thing I didn't talk about with Zach on camera, but I got the sense from some dialogue off camera, 
you know, let's see how the year goes. But this certainly could be the last year for the 37-year-old Zach Parise. One heck hmm. of a professional career. So if this is it, if this is the swan song, the final season for Zach Parise, you know, hopefully he can go out with a bang, playing with a really good Islanders team. You know, he's got some close relationships, you know, with guys like Brock Nelson, Anders Lee, who actually lives right down the street from for me. Really good dude who's the captain of the Islanders coming off a significant injury. But I know I know Lee is is doing well. Also, Ryan Suter down in Dallas. I talked to Bruce Boudreau the other day. Bruce said he knows that Ryan is highly motivated. Ryan can't wait to play the wild. What is it? Six times Judd being in the in the same division. Also. So Ryan moved his family down there. So Zach left the family here. Ryan moved the entire family down to Dallas. Ryan is going to end up, after signing his four-year deal, plus $15 million. Wow. You know, with, with you know the taxes, the way they work <laughs> in Texas. So the buyout money he gets from the Wild and the contract he signed with Dallas over these next four years, instead of staying here, going to Dallas. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com. People love choices. This holiday season, give choice gift cards and let them choose their own gifts. It's genius. Available in stores and at giftcards.com. Buy now. Alice, he will end up plus $15 million. I would say that eases the blow of his frustration from being bought out here. Yeah. Also shows you how badly the wild just wanted to be done. Reckless. All right, Darren Doogie Wilson, five eyewitness news on the Scoop podcast on scorenorth.com, Apple, Spotify. We'll see you next week, buddy. All right, boys. Yeah, I'm about to catch up with Mike Bauman, who just made his major league debut for the Baltimore nice. Orioles. Matamidi High School grad, so another nice. Minnesotan making it to the majors. Yeah. Awesome, man. Okay. All right, that's hey, Doogie. We'll see you later. Uh, and those scoops powered by our friends at Federated, Federated Mutual Insurance Company, helping businesses for over 100 years with risk management, protecting employees, protecting your bottom line. Find out about all the resources and people that can help your business if you are a business owner at federatedinsurance.com. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. So, reckless speculation Thursday here on Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment. Um, I want to I want to stick with Vikings here with you guys because it feels like with how tumultuous the preseason and training camp period was, different injuries and bar hurt again and vaccination debates and all the stuff, right? Losing every preseason game. And then the week one debacle against the Bengals, a high strung and uh, easily agitated head coach, I would think would normally be ready to light a fuse and blow everything up. 
And instead, it feels like, and Judd sent a note to us about this last night, so let's just get into it. Mike Zimmer feels very cool, calm, and collected. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's got this sort of Aaron Rodgers-like, R-E-L-A-X, we're going to be fine. This team can still be really, really good. And Doogie just said it in the scoop segment. He said the front office and the ownership still feels like expectations shouldn't just be, you know, lowered or uh, or nine or ten wins that like they should be 11, 12 wins and do damage in the playoffs. Right. Are you buying that level of internal confidence from Zimmer and apparently also from people above Zimmer with the Vikings? Do, do you think they think that? Um, if they upset the Cardinals on Sunday, then absolutely. It's genius, right? Just calm down. It's going to, to be fine. Uh, but it's almost as if somebody on the plane ride home on Sunday from Cincinnati got to Mike and is like, if you blow a gasket here, you're going to lose this team completely. And the expectations, again, being so high, and, and you know, it is going to take some time. Now, I don't think the defense should be bad or given a pass, but, Phil, as you said, it's going to take until October probably for it to gel completely. So I think Mike is doing his best. But if they go 0-2, I'm very curious to see if this act can maintain. Uh, because, you know, Mike's Mike's default position is to get pissed off and panic and and start to run guys. And he's t- talked about that already with the uh, false start penalties this week. So I think this is a probably a very prudent move after week one. Because if he loses his cool, then everyone's going to start to be like, oh, my God, this is a problem. Uh, but there's no way that in Mike's mind he is not very concerned because of the fact that the exhibition season and more importantly training camp didn't yeah. go well. So, so I I firmly believe this is an act, um, but I also think this needs to turn around pretty quickly. So, like if you're zero and two and then you're one and two, or God forbid for them zero and three, I don't think this is I don't think this act is going to be consistent. I think this is a one week. It does me no good to go into an angry rage right now. It reminds me what's that what's that meme Declan on the internet where uh it's like the tough it's like the sketched out tough guy face but he's like crying behind it. Oh yeah, the like with, the like, mask the, on the dry it. Yeah. Eye. yeah, yeah. yeah. <gasps> that's what it feels Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's what it feels like. And the and losing to the Bengals in week <laughs> 1 in the grand scheme of things, you know, it, it's not a death knell to your season. Teams lose bad games in week one, like historically in the NFL, and they can they can come back and still do damage or win the Super Bowl like it happens. But based on the circumstances here, based on you're trying to get a defense that hasn't really played together before to gel early, and based on having to play at the Cardinals, the Seahawks, who I think are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and the Browns, who might also be a legitimate, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but like the Browns are like going to make the playoffs, and, and they just went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs, right? Mm-hmm. Losing that game against the Bengals eliminated your cushion. Yeah. You know, it's like everyone kind of assumed, all right, they got these six games before the bye. It's it's not an easy stretch, and you're and you're trying to get you know, you're going to have a new left tackle, and you're going to have you know a new offensive coordinator. That if you can just weather the storm and go three and three in those first six games, and then have a bye week to reset, then you're in good shape. And that all of that was presumed by you, that you would beat the Bengals in the first week. And now that you're 0-1 and you're staring down the barrel here, it's like, okay, well, Detroit at home, okay, you're for sure going to get that one in a month, right? And Carolina shouldn't be that much of a test and Sam Darnold on the road. Uh, but even if you win those two games, to avoid a 2-4 and four start, you're going to have to win. I don't think you're going to be favored in any of these next three games. I think you're going to be a home underdog against the Seahawks and probably against the Browns, unless you beat one of the next two teams and then 
you know, maybe you're a one or two point favorite against the Browns. But that game last weekend eliminated all cushion for you to get things. All right, we're just going to slow cook this. Defense is going to gel and Darisaw is going to come in here. It's like, no, you need to go now. Like, you need to beat the Cardinals this weekend. And it also crystallized your worst fears, which is, yes, you had a chance to win that game, but everything that you saw in training camp that concerned you sort of came true. Like, Kirk's stats were great, and I think his PFF grade was was good, but there were passes behind guys that can't be. Um, the offensive line, the offensive line was, I'm sure, worse than they thought it was going to be, although, again, just like cornerback last year, they've been warned. I think what this is is I, I think that this is a stick of dynamite with a fairly decent-sized fuse, and the fuse was lit on Sunday, but it's got some room to burn before she blows up. Um, and so if you can come back and upset the Cardinals, guess what? That's going to help a ton. But if you don't, at some point in time, Mount Zim is going to erupt because he knows exactly what's at stake here. Like he knows he, he can tell Mark Craig all he wants defiantly. I'm going to coach through 2023 and then we'll decide, well, that is unless the will say, Mike, I'm sorry, but you're fired. So I, I'm not, I'm not buying that there's this newfound patience here from Mike. I'm buying that he knows it's in his best interest right now uh, to show that. But at some point, it's going to get to a breaking point. And um, the thing is, the I mean, after what I saw from the highlights of the Cardinals Titans game, um, this couldn't be a worse opponent to play. I mean, Kyler Murray can. I mean, what he does now, he he's as, as I told Chip today. Um, Kyler Murray has basically become Russell Wilson when Russell Wilson was more athletic. Like what he did on Sunday, he is running the length of the field, mm-hmm. sideline to sideline to make plays. It's incredible. And, and I'm not I'm not saying, well, the Vikings have to find a way. What I'm saying is, how do you find a way? Chandler Jones had five sacks, six quarterback hits, Phil, and two forced fumbles. And yes, Rashad Hill's going to get help, but I don't know that that makes up for, hey, you know, C.J. Ham's going to give you some help on Chandler Jones. So, like, to me, th- this this game could not come at a worse time because it's definitely much more difficult than the Bengals game was. Ordinarily, I, I, I just think Anthony Barr has been disappointing most of the last five years. And I, and I don't, Mike Zimmer sees value in him as someone that has to be accounted for and maybe he doesn't show up you know, on the in the box score in a PFF grade, but that like Mike Zimmer will say, yeah, you guys are paying too much attention to like he doesn't get sacks and he's you know he doesn't make a bunch of plays here and there, but like offenses have to account for him and it opens up other you know teammates to make big plays. And I don't know if I fully agree. With I, I I think Anthony Barr's been just kind of meh the last few years, but where I think he brings a ton of value, he's so fast and athletic as a linebacker as a spy, right? Anthony Barr shadowing and spying on a Kyler Murray or coming off of the tight end or uh, the route that he's supposed to be defending. You know, Kyler Murray starts to run like which player is most likely to be able to track him down among your front seven or front six. If you're playing nickel, Anthony Barr. So these next couple of games against two of the most mobile quarterbacks in recent NFL history, if Anthony Barr can't come back and play at something close to a hundred percent, and you know, and Nick Vigil's banged it, but like if Nick Vigil has to go out there and play, um, it's it's problematic. Like these are the these are the two games. If you're if I get to pick, all right, Anthony Barr's going to miss five games this year. 
which are the three games you're going to protect and make sure that he's healthy for? The Cardinals and the Seahawks are two of the three. I don't know what the other one is. I'd have to look at the rest of the schedule. But, like, I want him playing against Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. So whether he plays or not, and he did not practice on Wednesday, um, whether he plays or not, I think, is going to make a big difference in whether the Vikings can win this game or not and next week or not. Yeah, but, I mean, he's got a bad knee and has had a bad knee since early in training camp. So I guess my question is, if he does play, you know, there's no way that, that he's going to be near full strength. And so now, and Kyler Murray is so quick and able to do so much. And, and you know, God bless him. M- Michael Pierce had two sacks against Burrow on Sunday, but Joe, Bur- Joe Burrow's coming off an ACL and I think MCL tear and still essentially can't move. So there's just a lot of things about this match that really concern me. I will say this. If they are going to slow down Murray and Hopkins and that offense, Zimmer's going to have to coach one of his best games and specialized game plans that we've seen probably mm-hmm. since that Saints game. Because because you're going to have to have something up your sleeve or I don't like your chances at all to slow that offense down. I think if you go back four years ago when the Vikings had their best defense of the Mike Zimmer era 2017, this is the type of game that you would tell Xavier Rhodes in his prime, hey, you're just going to shadow for the majority of the game DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think there's anyone... like. Patrick Peterson a few years ago, that's the type of thing you would you would do with oh, him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know what their strategy is going to be this week. I don't know that they have someone that you would say, all right, Breland, you're going to – Peterson, you know, in, in year 10 or whatever it is, you're going to shadow one of the best wide receivers, probably a Hall of Fame wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins. I think if I was going to attempt to come up with a creative solution for Kyler Murray starting with him, I think – Part of my, I think part of my uh, strategy would be to have um, Eric Kendricks be the spy on him because Eric Kendricks moves incredibly well. I've, I've said he has become to me mm-hmm. um, as close as the Vikings have to a hybrid safety linebacker type of player. Yeah. So I think I would probably start there and then I would have to count on the defensive line holding up really well against the run itself. But uh, but it's going to have to be something like that. Like, I don't think you can just throw this defense out against Kyler and be like, hey, you're, you're pretty good, right? I think you've got to come up with with some unique um, ideas and elements to, to slow him starting with because it's incredible. The man uses the entire field. Like, he is scrambling back and forth like he's a, like he's a pro playing against high school players. And the Tennessee Titans, by the way, are supposed to be good. I think the NFL's website somewhere, I think you can find this, tracks not just like your rushing yardage, but how many, like the NBA has this riddle track, how many miles you ran during I've a got, game. I've got something on, on this actually for Judd's Keys tomorrow. I'll find it right oh. now. because well, I, I don't want to spoil Judd's Keys. No, 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 yeah. no, it, it won't. But I know the exact, I know the exact stat that you're talking about. Here it is. <laughs> so on, so it was a, let me see here. It was a third down play in the second quarter. Uh, in, in which Kyler Murray scrambled and then threw an 18-yard completion to R- Ronald Moore. And if you have not seen it, go find it because it's incredible. Mm-hmm. He scrambled on that play. So I'm not talking about like for the day. On that play in which he essentially went to one sideline and came back, uh, Kyler Murray scrambled 43.5 yards, <laughs> the most scrambled distance of his career and the second most on a completed pass, so of anybody, since the start of the 2019 season. So that's that's forty three yards all behind the line of scrimmage because he threw a pass. Back and forth. Yeah. Yes, that's incredible. Think about that. 
he didn't so he didn't even get the the luxury of going forward and backward. I mean, he did you know behind line of scrimmage a little but, bit, but you're right. But forty three and a half yards, dude. That division is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. They are the worst team in that division. Think about that. I unless you want to say San Francisco, but. I would for sure put the Seahawks and the Rams. I think the Rams are the best team in that division. Yeah, I think the Seahawks are too, but the Niners are dangerous. And then the Seahawks, or then the, the Cardinals are probably the fourth team in that division. Wow. And if you were to put Ooh. them in the the NFC North or the AFC North, like some, or AFC uh, East is pretty weak, right, with the Jets. and um, Although I know that the Dolphins are pretty solid Patriots, but it pick, put them in one of the weaker divisions, and they are a guaranteed lock playoff team. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I think there's a case to be made that if you dispersed, so let's say the Seahawks are the best team. If you disperse the rest of the three teams in the West to the other NFC divisions, I think they might all be favorites to win it. Like if you, if you put the Cardinals in the North at this point in time, they'd be close to it. Agreed. Uh, I agree. If you put the Rams in the East, slam dunk. Slam dunk. And if you put San Francisco in the South, I don't think it's a slam dunk, but they'd be. Uh, I mean, the Buccaneers. Bucks, yeah. But, the Buccaneers are still. But they'd be a for sure playoff team, and yeah. they could contend for the division title. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so just like, and we'll get to old tweets exposed here. Excuse me in just a second. But just back to the initial question of Dookie's hearing that ownership and front office have still have super high expectations. Mike Zimmer still saying, hey, relax, calm down. Boy, if they lose this game on Sunday. That all, like, it's, I think there's a thin line between, hey, what, let's just chill out here. It's week one and people potentially getting fired. Like, I'm not saying oh, anyone yeah. gets fired after week two. Right. But if they, if this thing doesn't correct itself and if they don't steal a game back in the next three and they start 0-4, I, I don't, oh. I don't, I don't think... There's going to be uh, zero accountability. Let's just I, put it that way. I also don't think, and this is not always true, but I also don't believe, guys, for 2021, there's any dialing back of expectations. So, so like, if they lose Sunday, I don't think the Wilfs are going to say, oh, my God, you know what? We expected far too much. Like, this was a mistake on our part. We're going to be patient again. And things might not go great again, yeah. but 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 we expected – too much i think this is a fair or not this is an all in you're coming off a bad year but you you know came back up somebody and i'm guessing it started with the head coach but somebody went to the gm and, and then the people that own this team and said we need to invest in defense again like we it got away from us we need to invest and then mike you know i mean mike's talked about this mike is couldn't be happier at the start with, oh, man, I got all my guys, right? I wanted guys. I got all all my guys. So I don't believe that we're ever going to get to, like, week three and, you know, let's say they lose to the Cardinals and then the Seahawks. And the Wilfs are like, oh, I'm we'd like to apologize. We expected too much. I don't think the mentality changes, which is where, Phil, I think you're exactly right. This is an all-in, and they know right now in taking temperature, though, that if they go off the rails after one loss, you're probably yep. going you're to not lose helping. The in, you're you're going to lose the entire thing. Yep, you're not helping. Yeah, and it is one it is one game. It's one game. Would it shock me if they came out and the offense clicked for the first time since the preseason started? Like no. They right. If Justin Jefferson scored a 40-yard touchdown and no. But this was the point too and I I think 
you know, we did a few uh, shows during the summer about this and got some pushback on Twitter, but we both said the pressure is tremendous. Like I, I got like, I mean, why, why is the pressure tremendous? Because the expectations are. So it like should this, be tremendous every year. It's been 60 years. Sure, it should Win be. Win a freaking Super Bowl. It should be, but when you redo the defense for the head coach's purposes, the pressure is going to be tremendous now. There's no, there's no, ah, well, Kellen Mond's going to have to start, and it's going to take a, it might take a year. Yeah. So, Sorry, yeah, I, this is a different. I got a little trigger yeah, happy there on there. the old tweets exposed. I thought I, I, thought I had died. No, you weren't being. Harp. Oh, you know, I thought well, I was just ascending. I mean, up you are getting pretty old to, to take so. my rightful to take my rightful place <laughs> with uh with Norm McDonald. Man, I stay. Or, I, I was, like, watching, I was so watching, watching. I was watching Norm McDonald stuff and my wife was trying to sleep last night. I'm just laying in bed. watching, just laughing my ass. off. she's like, can you please go somewhere else? <laughs> You're just laughing your ass off. You know what, what are I you realized? watching? I'm like Norm McDonald from 1995. It's yeah, hilarious. I, I, I realized. <laughs> and it's sad. I never fully appreciated the, the the breadth of his work until now because I've never really sat down and watched oh, as much. God. The stuff with Conan Stand and up, Letterman. SNL, late, up, late night guest, movies, yeah. I think he might have been. I think my favorite m- might be late night guest. Yeah. I'd he was on it. Conan all the time in the and, 90s, early 2000s. And I love how, how he, in air quotes, sabotages the show. But yes. he's not. It's just hilarious. There was one. He. I was watching one clip last night where this is like, like mid nineties Conan, like ninety five, ninety six. I think he. I think he was the, the Weekend Update guy still on SNL, and he told. He said, "Oh yeah." I think Conan was asking him like, "So where do you get some of your material?" And he goes, "Well, I, I take cab rides. You know, I I get a lot of my material from uh, you know just like hopping in hopping in a cab." And uh, oh, really? Okay, so you steal jokes from your, you just steal jokes from the cab driver. He's like, yeah, you know. But wait till you hear me tell it, you know. And and then and then it sets up. It literally, he, he tells like, he said, let, let, let me tell you a joke about a, a moth walking into a podiatrist's office. Yes. And he literally tells like a seven-minute story from yes. the moth's perspective. Yes. Using the podiatrist as a therapist. Yes. And Conan, Conan was getting like legit frustrated because like the story kept weaving and it, it was funny. But he's like, "Dude, can you finish the joke, please?" And uh, finally, at the end, he goes, uh, "And so the podiatrist says to the moth, well, you don't need me. You need a you need a psychiatrist. What brought you to me?'" And the moth said, "Your light was on." <laughs> It was like the seven-minute winding thing. <laughs> the greatest thing about it was how Conan was like, that's the punchline? Yeah. Because yeah. the punchline could have come three minutes in. Did, yes. did you guys see? He, he also, Norm had, and I don't think a lot of people do this. Norm, after he was done being a guest, would stay on the show and often yeah. comment. Did, did you guys see the Conan with Courtney Thorne Smith? No. It, she's, so it, it's her... In the 90s. She's from Melrose Place? Yes. Yes. And she was still on that show. And she's plugging a film that she's done with Carrot Top. And she's she's nice, but I mean, she's a pretty boring guest. And Norm stuck around, and so he kept saying stuff. And and Conan at one point asks, like, okay, what's the film called? And Norm's like, can I, uh, I'll tell you what it's called. Oh, my God. If if it's got Carrot Top on, it's called Box Office Bomb. (laughs) (laughs) And the best part, 
the best part is she can't help herself. So she's like laughing <laughs> and they're ripping the film apart. Norm's just killing oh, the film. God, and Conan's great at playing the straight guy. Like I'm trying to defend my guest. Oh, yeah. The most genius one, if you guys, if you guys want, like I'm sure there's probably a, probably a lot of younger people that watch us on YouTube that really don't even really know who Norm MacDonald was. But um, one of the most legendary comedians from the 90s, you know, SNL and then 2000, early 2000s. But he uh, he came on when Conan got that Jay Leno slot. Yeah. And it was like a six month debacle. Right. The ratings fell. They panicked. They brought Jay back. And then they announced like actually the, six months into it. This is going to be the last week of Conan. Yes. And so Norm Macdonald comes on the last episode of Conan in that prime slot yes. with a gift basket. Yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah, I actually got you this six months ago, but I just forgot to give it to you. you know, I wouldn't open it. It's probably all expired, but I did get you a card. And he's yeah. reading the card from, quote, unquote, six months ago. And it's all like, you know, you're going to kill it in this new job. <laughs> I'm the king they of will never night. take king this away night. from you. They cannot. Yeah, it's so good. Just it's so good. Amazing, man. So yeah. his stuff, his stuff on on Sorry. SNL. <laughs> See, I died again. His SNL stuff was is actually some of it's great, but the the weekend update stuff is not his best stuff. Like it's funny, yeah. but it's not his best stuff. Yeah. The free form norm who didn't shut up was, is unbelievable. Yes. Just total like stream of consciousness, yes. and so. All right, every Thursday here, in addition to Reckless Speculation Thursday, Declan goes back and finds incriminating, mm-hmm. mostly incorrect tweets mm-hmm. from the three of us. We call this "Old Tweets Exposed." What do you got for us this week? All right, uh, Judd and I are handicapped. I, I, let me just—I'm bearing the lead. I win. I win for this week <laughs> of old tweets exposed. Um, it's okay. pretty obvious what happened uh, just five days ago, but if people weren't familiar what I said about the Vikings and <laughs> Bengals game, I don't take them that seriously at all. I really don't. <laughs> um, I love it. This is one of, what, three or four games of schedule that should be an absolute gimme. I know the Vikings are still favored and they're on the road, and I put them right that down that they'd win by 10. Yeah, I expect, this team to, I expect the Vikings to win by 10 in this game. I, I like Joe Burrow's future. I think he's going to be a, a damn good quarterback when it's all said and done, when he hangs it up. But right now, the Bengals are an absolute mess. Vikings are going to feast on Cincinnati. No, I do not take take the Bengals seriously at all. Well, that's a kiss of death if I've ever heard one right there. You can send all – if the Vikings lose this game, yeah, you can just clip that, put it out on the internet right there. That's dgoff at scorenorth.com if you want to send some angry emails that he jinxed the Vikings. Whoops. Whoops. <laughs> yeah, I think you win. Uh, I think you win. Yeah, but for for the sake of the segment, I will still have a couple other things uh, from you. And uh, well, what's and uh, what what life lesson did you learn after? after uh, don't well, don't assume. You know, don't don't make assumptions that that uh, that you probably shouldn't make. And uh, also, as a good part, if you're going to make those assumptions, you can get exposed and make this segment very easy to produce uh, one week later. So there's all it's it's twofold. It's twofold. I can learn not to make crazy assumptions on a football game, and also it makes my uh, just job and life easier for Thursdays, Thursday mornings on Mackie and Jets. Un- uh, until the Vikings prove otherwise, they should sweat every team on the schedule. And that includes the Lions at home in like three weeks. God. Every team on the schedule, until the Vikings prove that they aren't just a gravitational pull toward disappointment, they should sweat. Well, so that's the that's the lesson. Uh, All right. So we're playing for second place here, it looks yep. like. Well, I, I was guess. the only one who made a score prediction last week. Judd Zolgad with his buddy Chip Scoggins. 
And and much like a crystal ball, I'm going to rub it. I'm going to rub it for help here. Oh, surly beer can furious. Tell me what the final score will be. Vikings 24, Bengals 14. Because yeah, I'm with you. I think they I think they win. And I do think I think the the training camp shenanigans left us a little bit too concerned. I'll yeah. say this too. These first three games. I really think to get off the start that you want, you need to be two and one. You got the score right. They did score twenty four yeah, points. You nailed the Vikings score. I mean, that's yeah, actually no, pretty I'm... pretty amazing. Yeah. I feel pretty good about that part, but I don't feel good about the fact that I said that Cincinnati would only yeah. have fourteen. You had a lot of faith in that Vikings defense. Yeah, maybe a little bit too a little bit too much. And those preseason uh, worries wouldn't, wouldn't come true at all. No, no. Yeah, that's my that was my platform last week. Don't yeah. worry about it. Preseason's done. It'll be fine. Maybe not. Well, okay. All right. I, I'm going to give Judd a pass on that. I think a lot of people thought they would win, and he nailed the Vikings point total. That's pretty good. Uh, Bill doesn't have a Vikings take, but I did find a uh, Gover football take from just a few weeks back. Uh, when they were gearing up to play Ohio State, 86 of the money is on Ohio State <laughs> per this action network. <laughs> Doubt the Gophers at your own risk. Public betters, of course. Now the Gophers hung tight, but the Ohio State Buckeyes ended up running away with a... Uh, they covered the bare. They covered barely, but they did cover. I think Ohio State Denver. covered covered by. Yeah, thank you. Maybe a point or something. I knew. I knew going into this, I was like, "Well, do I even find like Judd and Phil's tweet? Because like I'm going to win. Um, <laughs> it was going to be really quick and easy, but I was like, oh, I'll still find something for this for the sake of the segment. But yes, I, I am well aware that I uh, I ran away with this week's title of old tweets. Hey, so. Speaking of the ghosts, I think it was was it Mandel, the college football writer. One of the big, one of the big heavy hitter college football writers had a note that talked about, hey, uh, you know, Pete Carroll wasn't an obvious choice when they hired him back in like the late '90s, you know, but he wound up being perfect for USC, for Hollywood, like just bringing in celebrities and just feeling Hollywood, and a name to watch that would absolutely fit that exact Hollywood description that would, in the words of the article, absolutely take the job if offered is P.J. Fleck. Told you. This thing is yes, interesting. He does. Think about him there. It makes perfect sense. They love that. Everything that Patrick Royce hates about Fleck works in California. Yep. Seriously. Yeah, it does. A lot of self-help stuff that I think... I don't know. I don't know if it doesn't. It's not I mean, that it can, doesn't work here. It's just that like, it, it, is, it is. It is working here. Just to, right, right. to be straight. Oh yeah. Up. But I mean, can you imagine how much a guy like and he he might make fun of it, but like Will Ferrell, th- those guys, they love that stuff. They they walk along the sidelines. Fleck would come over, give him big. Does hugs. Will Ferrell go to USC games? It's a huge USC. Yeah. Fan. Is he? Yep. Interesting. Did he go there? No. He idea. went to college in California, but I, it wasn't USC because he played like college soccer. I think it was a D two or D three. Yes, he played <laughs> soccer. That must have been fifty pounds ago. I'm not oh casting aspersions, God. but but yeah, he would be those guys. Hollywood would love PJ. Yeah, and he would love them. I just yeah, I, I know that people aren't quite as high on him because of the pandemic and last year. It's like I think his PJ sort of peaked right after that Auburn win in the bowl game. And that was, you can make a case that was the peak of go for football since 1960. I don't know that there was a more successful season or bowl win, but it's kind of leveled off a little bit. I just don't know if, if, if you can't keep him right, what coach are you going to get to recruit borderline top 30 classes and drum up the excitement and the branding? And I, 
And I am in no way, shape, or form advocating that I want him gone, to be clear. Like, yeah, I'm I, just saying I think he's a good fit. I, but I don't, want, I don't want to get notes now being like, quit trying to chase Fleck out of town. I, don't, I want him here. I think he's done a good job. Uh, and the question that you just asked, if he left, would be, a, I think, a massive concern. So I just think that his, what he does would really work on the West Coast. You know, if you think about this, I know that in his introductory press conference, he told everybody, this is my wife and I view this as a retirement job. Like, we're not just coming here to like, this is we want to we want to coach here. If Southern California comes along and says, we'll give you more money, we'll give you more resources and you get to recruit in California, which is one of the top high school football states in the country. Everything about your job in life will just be easier. There will be pressure because you're going to need to. Correct. Go to the BC like you'll have to win a national championship because that's the goal at, at USC. But I don't think he would be afraid of that goal because that's the goal he has here. People think it's crazy, but like he talks about national championships here, and they were a top ten team a couple of years ago for a minute, anyways. Um, so I don't know. I think it's almost impossible to pass up if you're him. If the money's better, if everything's better. So I guess if you're a Gopher fan, hoping that he doesn't leave, hope that he doesn't get offered the mm-hmm. job. Mm-hmm. So, Urban de- Urban denied it this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm buying we'll that see how completely. Long that lasts. <laughs> I'm buying that completely. The man has never lied in his life. Uh, w- yeah. When he said, "I'm here in Jacksonville," <laughs> there's no question in my mind he is not lying. God. Um, so that is a wrap on old tweets exposed. I want to shout out to on scorenorth.com. The fall auction has arrived. Mm-hmm. We're talking about amazing deals. Uh, that you can just so deals on various restaurants and businesses locally you can check it out scorenorth.com and uh, just type in the keyword auction I believe or just click on the uh, the deals section on scorenorth.com so all right boys hey we have much more Vikings discussion on purple daily today if you aren't already consuming that you can check purple daily out also on scorenorth.com and uh, our YouTube channel purple daily YouTube Thanks to everyone for getting us up over, I want to say, 24,000 subscribers across both Purple Daily and Score North YouTube channels. We appreciate that. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. I'm Mackie and Judd. Judd's Keys. Whether it's Fred Meyer, Simple Truth Turkey, or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Fred Meyer has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Fred Meyer, fresh for everyone. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.